And no matter the trauma that I've been through, maybe it makes me a better person, a better healer, a better intuitive physician and compassionate person, but it makes other people exactly the opposite. Healing from trauma is the way we can achieve optimal health. We start with ourselves and one person at a time. How can we be kind? How can we be loving? What we want for other people, what we want for ourselves has to be what we want for other people. And the world we want to wake up in has to be the world we want others to wake up in also. I know I'll get many questions and probably many unsubscribes, but I hope you share this message and know that it's coming from my heart and it's why I do what I do without prejudice. Anyone is welcome to come see me into our community as long as you're kind. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you are meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. It is possible that I have a lot more gray hair on my head in just a matter of a couple months. Since the war in the Middle East started between Israel and Hamas and amongst many innocent civilians on both sides and certainly in Gaza and Palestinians, being attacked has really affected me. I wanna share with you a personal story and I ask that you be objective and open-minded and open-hearted as you listen to me and know where my heart is coming from. A heart truly believing in compassion and peace is possible. And I'll tell you why in a moment. But first, let me tell you that I was first called a terrorist when I was eight years old. Eight years old. Why, you may ask? Well, I grew up in a small town in Hapro, Pennsylvania, and in the northeast of our country. And I was going to school with my mother. It was bake sale time. So in the early 1970s, bake sale time. And my mom was an amazing baker. She would make amazing cakes and cupcakes and desserts and muffins and all kinds of amazing food. That was her love language, cooking for sure, and baking especially. And she was bringing food for the bake sale and was talking to the teacher and was talking with me as we entered the classroom. And a kid asked, where's your mom's accent from? comprehend something you never saw for yourself. And what my mother said is, Anna, whenever you're able, travel. Travel, meet other people, learn their languages, and you will not have prejudice. You will see that everyone is alike in so many ways. And my mother truly was someone who loved people. And I'll continue the story because why did this affect us and why does this affect me now more than ever? So my mother was born in Haifa, Palestine. She is Palestinian, 100% for hundreds of years, generations of Christianity in the Holy Land, and can trace our lineage back 500 years, at least, in the Holy Land as Christians, and likely even more so because my genetics is 
completely 50%, my mother's side, 50% in that region, Levantine region. So Palestine, Israel, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon. That's it. There's no crusader blood in our bloodline. There's no other Asian influence. It is 100% that area. The other 50% of me is Portugal. (laughs) And so that's it, 50-50. And my father met my mother when he was working. He was started Navy early World War II. He was only 17 years old. So that would be 1943. He joined the U.S. Navy. So he was first generation American, but Portuguese. Both his parents were from Portugal. And he served the U.S. Navy in World War II. And as a multilingual individual, he was given more languages to learn. And as a result, he learned Arabic and Hebrew and was sent in the early 1950s to Israel and Palestine as a attache, as an influencer for peace. And he met my mom's brothers. And through them, very staunch business people, he met my mother. So the love story is a beautiful one from there on. And that is how I came to be. So my mother's story is just one of integration and one of kindness and one of inclusivity. So her grandfather, her grandfather was the known as like the Maktoub, the holder of the keys to the city. So very well respected man in Haifa. And her father had built a family home. Well, in 1948, the British had been colonized, had been colonizers in the area for decades at that point. And uh, the Haifa was a port that welcomed in immigrants from Europe who were Holocaust survivors, so a large influx of Jewish immigrants. And through that time, my mother's father would do prayer meetings. So before then, before World War II, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, he did prayer meetings. So my grandfather in the 1930s and 1940s would hold prayer meetings with a rabbi, a Orthodox priest, a Muslim sheikh or iman, and from those meetings, those meetings of the minds, all of them together, talking about the holy books, he wrote 30 prayer books. There was integration, there was peace, there was kindness, there was collaboration. In 1948, the British came and said to my grandfather, so we're going to need to take your home as a lookout point. Don't worry, leave for two weeks like the word was being spread. Just leave. We're going to settle matters. You'll be able to come back. No problem. And if that sounds familiar, that's what the Gazans were told a couple months ago. Just leave and you'll be able to come back. But the Haifa Palestine, many people left. My grandfather stayed to work the business, but my mother and her mother as well as some of my aunts and uncles, you know, in early teenage years at the time, my mom was maybe 17 or 18, and they left to Egypt and stayed with a family member there. And when they came back, the home had 16 families in it. So it was settled. There were, they call them squatters, settlers that came, and British had given the home of my grandfather that my grandfather built to 16 families. It was a big home. So basically two families for every one bathroom in the house. And there was no room for my mother and her siblings and my grandmother and grandfather to 
to come back to. Over time, they well, they stayed in Haifa. My, again, my grandfather had a big business. He supplied a lot of the food and international food and delicacies to the locals as well as to the military and had, again, a very good reputation and also very significant ties to the church, the Catholic church, as well as the Orthodox church. And so they stayed with an uncle in Haifa and then gradually bought out the squatters that were living there so they could find another home, but paid them to leave our home. And it seems so bizarre. What if you go to a concert and you paid for a ticket and you go to your seat and someone else is sitting in your ticket? What if you leave your home for vacation for two weeks and you come back and there's other families living in your home? And the stories, there are many, many stories, and certainly my family was fortunate to be able to continue their heritage and their legacy in Haifa and uh, Nazareth and Bethlehem and Jerusalem for all the, you know, all these centuries. And so it's been, when I had asked my mother, and she told little stories about the time in Egypt or leaving to Egypt and coming back. It amazes me as I can reflect back. She never said anything negatively. She was never a victim. She spoke with love and with kindness and inclusivity. And she spoke Arabic and Hebrew and French and English perfectly. I mean, I speak well, a little bit, a little bit here and there. I'm conversing in, in four languages, but it's a challenge. And but my mother was completely fluent and we grew up in a house where I frequently heard English, Arabic, Hebrew, and French, as well as Portuguese spoken. And we also had people from all over the world come stay with us, family, friends. It was open. So we had Jewish friends, Israeli Jewish friends, Muslim, Hindu, you name it, Baptist, for heaven's sakes. Even they were welcome into our home. <laughs> so it was tongue-in-cheek. But, you know, it was really, I grew up in the United Nations. And when I was in fifth grade, a young girl came to our school in uh, Pennsylvania, and she only spoke Hebrew. She was an Israeli Jewish girl from Israel. And so the teacher asked, does anyone here speak Hebrew? And Howard Feinberg quickly raised his hand and said, Shalom. That was basically what he knew. And I gingerly raised my hand, again, very, very shy. And I said, I do. And Mr. Davis, our fifth grade teacher, said, OK, go sit next to Anna. And we had the best time. We became the best friends. She came to my home. My mom welcomed her with open arms and her family as well. And it was just instrumental, beautiful influence in her life. I never thought about it till recently. How, you know, did my mom even think about, did they live in a home of a Palestinian that was forced to leave or worse? And that never came into our conversations. It never was brought up at all. And I think it's really powerful as I think with the art of compassion, as I work to understand physiology and health and the effects of trauma and stress and traumatic stress, as well as adverse childhood experiences on our physiology and our on our ability to cope and handle, like, do we experience post-traumatic distress or post-traumatic growth? 
which one and why do certain people have tremendous positivity and resilience even when they're living in war-torn situations or have had tremendous trauma exposures and terrible tragic childhoods like how do some people rise from that and others remain a victim or become hateful and become vengeful physiologically the hormones of contrast oxytocin and cortisol so when we're either moving in a direction of love and connection that's oxytocin or hate revenge greed and that's cortisol you can't be both you can't be hateful and connected and loving doesn't coexist in the same person physiologically it's impossible you're not experience the fullness of positive energy and vibration that results with these gifts of the spirit high oxytocin levels that high positive vibration and that very healing vibration how can we be that and it part is by you know, not being the victim. So I want to read to you a couple things and a couple responses to what I wrote, which was pretty, you know, I've received a lot of love from my expressing myself as a Palestinian. And believe me, after that experience, when I was eight years old, and honestly, I never told anyone about this till recently. I was talking to a friend of mine, Natalie, who after the October 7th massacre, she was struggling and I spoke with her and I called her up. I want to check in on her and see how she's doing to see if I can help and support her in any way and also share my perspective as well and hope for healing and that there can be reconciliation and healing and that there, you know, whatever can happen, I wanted to address her grief. And so this is what I had written. I wrote, her heart has been broken and she has grieved. She has been bullied, threatened, assaulted, and raped of her innocence. She has been discounted, discouraged, falsely demonized, and dismissed. Yet with a resilience that is unsurmountable, she rises still with a love for life, God, family, friends, and freedom. Brave, bold, beautiful, and wise, she embraces a strong faith in God, humanity, and learning. I am Palestine. Maybe you too are Palestinian show up for freedom show up for humanity show up for a free palestine share this make a stand for humanity and i shared pictures of me and my granddaughter and me in palestine at age 16 and a picture of my beautiful mother and uncle and i also wrote after receiving many comments including one that said i hope you get raped and your children die now, I've already experienced rape, and I've also experienced the death of a child. I've experienced the death of both my parents. So this hateful comment, I mean, that, just hateful. And I thought, oh my God, what has this person gone through in order to express such hateful comments? And my intent was to stop killing, to stop killing anyone, to create peace, to create justice to have law and order if someone robs your family's your neighbor's house or your neighbor does something devastating to someone else does the whole neighborhood have to be demolished i mean i don't know what your perspective is but that doesn't seem to be justice law and order and on the side of humanity i have family in israel i have family in palestine i want there to be peace and integration and desegregation and everyone to be treated as human beings. And I showed up because many times the news is very 
demoralizing and dehumanizing to Arabs and Palestinians. I mean, for that eight-year-old way back when in 1970s, was our, America was already brainwashed to think Arabs are terrorists. So if you think of word association, if I say the word white, maybe you think black. If I say the word Jewish, maybe you think Holocaust. If I say the word Arab, I don't know. What do you think? Or what did you think prior to this? So educated, female, independent, heart-centered. I want you to see that. Peacemakers. I've done so many humanitarian projects. That's not my purpose here to list them. But from the House of Hope that I helped found and create. Because in this country, there are war. There's war against children. There's war against women. I have this house of hope for girls who have been sex trafficked. And believe me, we don't have enough rooms. And this is just in small area in Southeast Georgia. You know, we've had over 100 girls go through there. And there are thousands more that need help. And so creating safe space. But why are they being trafficked? People are using them. And, you know, the youngest rape exam I did as a gynecologist at Emory University was on a two-and-a-half-year-old girl in Atlanta, Georgia, two and a half year old girl. We have problems here. We do with our healthcare system, with our medical system, with our pharmaceutical system. I mean, you name it, with our humanitarian system. So how we think and how we show up for others can be healing or can be disease causing. How we are towards ourselves can be healing or can be disease causing. I know the stress of this last two months certainly has affected my stress physiology. And, and I understand people have generational trauma, also adverse childhood experiences. I want to be a safe space. People come for healing. That is my goal. So after I received some hateful, but the majority supportive and beautiful can see the sentiment that, look, what's happening is not just, is not fair. And to be honest, America's part in it is evil. There is a genocide going on that can't be disputed against innocent people. And as a result, innocent people, you know, whether they're Christians like me, Christian Palestinian, uh, Muslim Palestinian, Jewish Israeli or Jewish Palestinian are all hurting. So I wrote this. I said, from the comments I have received, many vitriolic. Let me clarify that I want peace and the criminal fighting from both Israel and Palestine and world powers to end and brought to a negotiation table advocating for human rights. Yet even saying this brings controversy. I grew up in a home where English, French, Arabic, and Hebrew were routinely spoken. And I have family in both Israel and Palestine and our friends include Christians, Jews, Muslims, Hindus, etc., I always joke that I grew up in the United Nations, and this is why I can see a path to peace. My future human rights and personal post will be on a newly created personal page as well. If you'd like to follow me there, it is at Dr. Anna underscore underscore C. And because I have a team of really heart-centered people who help me at the Girlfriend Doctor, I don't want them to be exposed to the vitriol that I saw here based on my initial post for peace. I myself have healed from post-traumatic stress disorder to post-traumatic growth, mainly due to my faith in God and my practice of compassion for self and for others, and all that I now teach and provide to my clients. My mission as a physician is to help and promote healing without prejudice and empower you to be your best, healthiest, most loving, and compassionate self. 
I also recognize I can't help everyone and I wish you well. For those that want my help, I'm here 100% for you. So that is my sentiment. And through healing, and I had a patient yesterday in my office, and she had uh, was raped at 25. She was a virgin, holding out her virginity for her love, a love of her life, and she was raped. And uh, she had been struggling. And other thing too, as far as our courts go, the victim is subject to terrible questioning and blame. Why were you at this place at this time, etc.? And the man was let free, but he did it to someone else. And that case, she was able to testify of her experience again after another person, and who knows how many others, had been subject to his brutal attack and sexual assaults and was able to have him imprisoned and labeled as a sex offender. Brave young woman, now 27 years old, brave young woman, and dealing with that trauma and dealing with the heartache and dealing with lost dreams and expectations. So we have a lot to do, but it's never okay to hurt someone else for your own benefit and your own glorification and your own self-justification. I believe that 100%. And no matter the trauma that I've been through, maybe it makes me a better person, a better healer, a better intuitive physician and compassionate person, but it makes other people exactly the opposite. So healing from trauma is the way we can achieve optimal health. And we start with ourselves and one person at a time. How can we be kind? How can we be loving? What we want for other people, what we want for ourselves has to be what we want for other people. And the world we want to wake up in has to be the world we want others to wake up also. I know I'll get many questions and probably many unsubscribes, but I hope you share this message and know that it's coming from my heart and it's why I do what I do without prejudice. Anyone is welcome to come see me into our community as long as you're kind. God bless you. Till next time, this is Dr. Anna Kabeca. And you can imagine this was a particularly hard episode and for me to record easier to stay silent as so many of my colleagues, fellow influencers, etc. have. I have long wanted to be part of Doctors Without Borders and then I got married, had children and wasn't able to. But now as my youngest is in high school, I've reapplied to be part of Doctors Without Borders, definitely for when she graduates, but maybe during the summers in between when she's with her father. I want to spend as much time with my daughter as possible. But as a gynecologist and obstetrician, there's significant needs for women's health. And I stand by what I do. I support humanitarian causes. And our House of Hope has been a haven and a safe refuge for so many girls. And I'm proud of that time and investment. And now as a, a physician, Doctors Without Borders, but I also recognize right here in the United States, there's so many people I help and I can help a handful at a time in my clinical practice. And I've helped, I know, millions more online. I want to refer you to chapter eight in my book, The Hormone Fix, which tells my trauma story and can give you some more insight. I know many people have reached out to me and said, thank you so much. They said, when I lost my child, I didn't understand what was happening to me. And you helped me understand. And I remember this man, this physician, and he just crumbled into my arms and cried. And I know many others have been helped by my story. 
And I appreciate that. And it's why I shared. And it's why I shared what I did in this podcast today. So if there has been some way that I've helped you, please let me know. I could use your love, certainly. As we approach this new year, we'll be focusing on revitalizing our physical health and also revitalizing our emotional and spiritual health as we regain we gain resilience and we can experience post-traumatic growth. Healing from trauma, adverse childhood experiences, empowering oxytocin with oxyplay. And that's when we microdose oxytocin throughout our day through the thoughts we keep, the kindness, the positive thoughts, the love that we give to ourselves and others. That's microdosing oxytocin, the laughter, the sense of humor, the faith in something bigger than ourselves. That's microdosing oxytocin. So I encourage you to microdose oxytocin throughout your day. Oh yes, and my friend Magdalena always wants me to mention, play with your pets. Dogs are great oxytocin for some people. They may be cats. For me, it's a horse and my dog, Sandy, that love our animals. That increases oxytocin. So microdosing oxytocin is the first step to healing your physiology and coming from the depths of despair and also healing from generational trauma. I'm here to help and I'll continue to bring wiser voices than mine as well. Take care. God bless you. Till next time.